What an incredible time in His presence today as we seek His face. Wow, here we go um, in, uh, in, in this moment, uh, middle of September, as we as a church are walking through the book of Acts. So many powerful things for our lives, for our church, for what we're walking through in the world today. Uh, you know, as we walk through... Uh, the 2020, uh, a lot of things took place uh, around the world. People began to wonder and have doubts personally and for their jobs and there was civil unrest and there were wars and there were rumors of wars. And uh, as those things began to unfold and we kind of walked through those, during those times you can kind of wonder like, God, where are you? What what are you doing? And, and I'm so glad that we're almost to 2023 that that was so three years ago. That was so three years ago. But you can wonder, God, where, where are you? What are you doing? What, what are you trying to accomplish? And what's happening? I want you to know that it is not unlike what was taking place in Acts. The church had undergone serious persecution. Things had unfolded that, that were, were very difficult. Peter had been imprisoned. We, we know that through the prayers of the church, he was released. Herod was not happy. He was angry. He was mad. Now he begins in the very next few verses, he, he begins to unfold what the story unfolds. Now he has difficulty with Tyre and Sidon. These, this is uh, such a, a moment where Tyre and Sidon are, are, are now at odds with their king. These are city-states within the kingdom. And as this unfolds and there's this difficulty, we see God begin to do something amazing. And this war that was now beginning here, as we're going to pick up uh, today, talking about God's glory. God's glory. And His glory in this moment is revealed, it is shown, it has an incredible picture uh, through what takes place that you and I know a little bit more about God and who He is and how you and I do have a purpose to live out on this planet. God has a purpose for your life. And I think that in some way, even this morning, we're going to be able to touch and scratch the surface of God's purpose in each and every one of our lives today. As this war begins to uh, unfold, Tyre and Sidon begin to realize that going to war with Herod would be a very, very bad thing. This, in fact, would be disastrous. And so here they come before him and they, they, they literally say to him, listen, we got to find a way of peace. We've got to make peace. Let's put this to bed so that we can move forward. And as they do that, uh, as they make this peace, all of a sudden Herod takes the opportunity to stand before all the people and declare his greatness, his victory, all of those things, and God moves in an incredible way upon His life. Let me just state to you, before we go any further, the, the theme of the entirety of today. And that is that we need to make the glory of God 
the story of your life. Make the glory of God the story of your life. You and I live a story. You and I have lives. We have families. We have all of the things that that take place throughout the day. I want you to know your purpose, my purpose, our greatest purpose on this planet is to make the story of our lives all about the glory of God in our lives. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 20 and 25. I'm going to be reading from our Acts journal. I hope you have yours with you. If you don't, we have the slides that will help you follow along uh, on this passage of Scripture. Maybe you brought your your Bible with you. Uh, but either way, would you follow along as we read God's Word, starting in verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, And they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Reading this passage of Scripture, I see two things that stand out to me that I hope and believe will help you as well today. And that is this. Two things. One, God always wins. And two, the Gospel always works. God always wins and the gospel always works. Let's talk about that first one just for a moment. First, God always wins. He he wins. He has a plan. Everything that, that we think we can look out at the landscape of our lives, of the world today, and we can say, wow, where is God? Or what's happening in the world today? What is taking place? I want you to know that God's purpose will prevail. He has a plan. And He wants to use you and I to make that purpose unfold. We don't just sit as bystanders and watch and say, okay, well, you got this, God. He wants to use you and I to fulfill His purpose on this earth. He wants you and I to have a, a role in it, as it were. And we see here, as we read this verse, uh, I'm going to go back and now walk through this a little bit in verse 20. It says, now Herod was angry. He was mad. Anybody in the room ever been angry? Just me? Nobody else? I hear you laughing, but nobody raised... Okay. If you've ever been angry and had that moment of anger, you'll, you'll understand. Now, Herod was angry, first of all, because of what just took place with Peter. Now, because he's got these two city-states within his kingdom who are at odds with him, and he's angry. I want you to know this word angry means 
uh, furious, to be exceedingly hostile and enraged. And in the present form that it's used here in Scripture, uh, it is literally saying that he was continually angry. That it was a, a present tense. Not that he was angry, he is angry. It is happening right now. And Herod in this moment was continuously angry. He had, uh, in this moment of, of anger, understanding uh, that these were against him. And, and now they've come kind of tail between their legs and they've approached Herod. And, and as they're walking in to make things right, that all of a sudden, the Bible says that they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, now I don't know what that word persuaded means, uh, maybe that means a little monetary uh, gift was slid his way. Uh, they put a little pressure on him or uh, they bribed him. And he was the king's chamberlain. The king's chamberlain was over all of the king's, uh, his quarters and all of his possessions that were in the quarters. This is the, the king's chamberlain and they persuaded him maybe to get an audience with Herod. And as they did that, uh, they asked for peace because their country depended on Herod for all of this, uh, for all that they got and all that they received. And so here they are in this moment. And it says in verse 21 that on the appointed day, now the appointed day, this was a two-day festival. And on the second day was the appointed day for Herod to stand and to be there. And, 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 and he used this opportunity. I kind of, if I'm, I'm paraphrasing in my vernacular, he used it to gloat a little bit. He used it to stand up before them. The Bible says that he puts on his royal robes. These are the, the, the vestments that the, uh, Josephus, uh, the Josephus who, who wrote more about those things. He, he actually in Josephus writing says that his garments were made of silver. They literally glistened in that Middle Eastern sun off of his vestments and attached to it were ornaments of silver and all of these things were there and as the sun reflected upon him it had a disco ball how many of you have ever seen a disco ball right could you imagine the king steps up the sun beats in and all of a sudden around him is this light that is shining and everyone begins to chant it is not a man he is a god i don't know maybe it looked pretty cool you know Wow, check that out. The dude was before his time. He took these royal robes and he made his way to the throne. The throne was a place where the king would many times give judgment over uh, a situation or over people or over a dispute. Uh, could be called, a, in, in other terms, a bema seat. That's where the throne of judgment, where this is where he would typically make those judgments. And, and the Bible says that he gave an oration, which means, uh, in, 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 you know, I don't know if you've ever talked to someone and they just went on and on and on. Like, yeah, my pastor does that on Sundays. <laughs> He just goes on and on and on. And here he's given this oration and he's going on and on and on. I want you to understand that according to the Bible in Isaiah 42, 8, the word of God tells us, he says this, I am the Lord. 
That is my name. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory. My glory. I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. There is something that is very powerful about our God. His glory is immense. It is intense. It is incredible. And here he tells us in, in Isaiah 42.8, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carve idols. And later in Psalm, well, the psalmist David writes this, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory. Not to us. You know, we have such a propensity to receive glory, affirmation, praise. Come on, it feels good when someone says something nice about us, doesn't it? There's nothing wrong with that. But what is wrong with that is when we start to believe it about ourselves. You're right. I am awesome. You're right. I did do a good job. You're right. The problem is when we start to believe other people's wonderful words about us, we need to declare over every situation and area of our lives, not to us, but to His name. Lord, You gave me the ability. You gave me the ability to receive that promotion at work. You gave me the ability to be the father or the mother that I am. You gave. It comes from Him and Him alone. We ascribe to Him the glory. Him alone. But we like to receive some of that adoration, don't we? And if it's unnoticed, boy, aren't we good at helping people to notice the good things that we've done? Honey, didn't you see? I brought my dishes in all the way to the kitchen. I even put them close to the dishwasher. Uh-oh. When, when we don't get acknowledged for something that we've done, boy, we want to make sure everybody sees it and knows, ah, uh, you know what? Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Look what took place. And I want you to understand that for you and I today, this passage of Scripture is a powerful picture. But I think it really speaks to the children of God, those who are in this room, those who are watching online, who are Christ followers, that we need to, with our lives, make the very pursuit of God's glory, the story of our life. The story of our life should be that everything that we do is something that is pursuing the glory of God. Not pursuing our own glory, not pursuing our own fame, not even pursuing our own accolades, but even in the accolades and the things that come and and come our way and come your way, whatever those things are, that we make it God's glory to Him alone. Herod didn't do that. Herod in that moment basked in the the crowd cheering, 
We're not listening to the voice of a man. We're listening to the voice of a God. We're listening. And I can just imagine that pause. It's kind of even like that that final test that is there that the Lord has for him in that moment. And that final test, are you going to give me the glory or are you going to take it on your own? And the Bible tells us, and it uses this word, immediately. Immediately means forthwith, directly, on the spot. It happened immediately. There is a, a story uh, of General uh, General uh, John Sadgwick, who uh, uh, was was a Union soldier uh, at a fort, and he was uh, standing doing some surveying the troops, and and he was up on the wall walking back and forth, and his men said, "Sir, don't you think that's a little risky? You probably shouldn't allow yourself to be seen by the enemy." And he, in that moment, said, "There's said you don't understand our foe." They couldn't even hit an elephant at this, this. And then it stopped. And he turned and he fell dead, having been shot just below the left eye. How many of you know that was a mistake that had immediate consequences? When we underestimate our enemy, when we underestimate the desire for the enemy, the devil, Satan, who the, the enemy of this world, who is out to seek, kill, and destroy, when we underestimate what he is out to do, you and I make a grave mistake. Herod made a grave mistake. He was a Jewish man. He was knew the law. He knew that we should not touch the Lord's glory. That even his position of power was only because of God. And yet in that moment, he took that glory for himself. Benjamin Witchcote says this, None are so empty as those who are full of themselves. There are none who are so empty as those who... Who are full of themselves. Church, let us not be full of ourselves. Let us be full of the Holy Spirit. Let us be full of praise. Let His praise come from our lips. May we declare His goodness and His greatness in everything that we do. I I find it intriguing how this moment the Lord really brings to life a passage of Scripture and He flips it for, for Peter and for Herod. And that Herod was out to destroy Peter, and in the end, Herod himself is destroyed. Proverbs 11.8 says, The righteous, this could be Peter, is delivered from trouble as he was when the church began to pray in the passage just before this, and the chains fell off him, and he walked right through the closed gates of the prison, and, the, and he was saved. The righteous Peter is delivered from trouble, and the wicked Herod now walks right into it instead. I want you to know, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that there is nothing that anyone can do to destroy you, your home, your family. The righteous is delivered from trouble. And those who are out for your demise, guess what they do? They walk right into it. For the very thing that they had. One of the words that come from uh, terms, it's a phrase from uh, uh, 
Uh, and, and, and really, as we kind of uh, take a peek a little bit further into this word glory, this phrase came about. And as we take a look, and, and I'll, I'll just show it to you, it's solia de gloria. Seo, uh, excuse me, soli de gloria, which means to the glory of God alone. To the glory of God alone. This came from the Reformation. It was born out of the Reformation period. And out of that Reformation of God's moving in His hand, this became the saying that they would say, in, in everything, to God alone be the glory. This word glory, I think you and I really need to understand what, what it is. Because how do we ascribe Him glory? How do we actually accomplish this and make this happen today? The word glory means this. The word glory means to be, uh, means to be heavy or weighty. And has to do with reputation, fame, splendor, and prestige. So when you ascribe glory, it is weighty, it is heavy, it is something that is very monumental. It has to do with someone's reputation, or their fame, or their splendor, or, or even in that sense, his, their prestige, as we see King Herod and all of his prestige and his garments and all of those things. Glory is also related to another word, and that is magnify. Glory is related very closely to the word magnify, which means when we give God glory, listen to this, this is awesome, we're really helping people see how big and beautiful He really is. When we ascribe glory, when we magnify His name, we are really helping people see just how big and beautiful He really is. The Greeks equated this word with another word. That word is opinion. How many of you have ever had an opinion in your life? How many of you love to share your opinion with people around you? The Greeks equated glory with opinion in this way. That if you had a high opinion of someone, you were giving them glory and honor by sharing that high opinion that you have for them with others. And God has called you and I to bring Him glory in everything that we do, in everything that we are, in this life that we live. We need to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And it's so easy to go through life with all the, the tasks and the things that we have and all of those things. I want you to know that God has put you on this planet for a purpose, and that is to call greatness and to be someone who models and glorifies His name and magnifies Him. It's the greatest thing that you and I could ever do. And I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. In fact, I put it on the slide because I just think you need to see it with your own eyes. This is what you have to understand. When we talk about God asking us to bring Him glory, it is not from a position of weakness. One thing to keep in mind 
is we are not giving God what He doesn't have. And, and the word thing is there twice because I made a mistake putting it in there. So we're going to give Him two things. One thing to keep in mind is we are not giving God what He doesn't already have. God already has glory innately. We simply acknowledge and magnify and what He already has and who He already is. He is God. He is great. And all we're doing is calling it out. It's not that He's a God who needs our glory. That's not it at all. It's not from a weak position. It's from a position of declaring For you and I, because something awesome happens in us. Charles Ryrie says this, this quote, To live for God's glory means to live so that God's reputation, His reputation, is enhanced, which means to be heightened. Or to, in in that, heightened in, in, in both quantity and even in quality, that somehow we would, we would heighten that And it would not be diminished in any way. To live for God's glory means to live so that God's reputation is enhanced. Do our lives enhance His reputation? The way that we live enhance His reputation? The way that we talk to other people enhance His reputation? The way we talk about other people? Does that enhance his reputation? How do we know when we are living to enhance his reputation? It's very simple. Three things. When we prefer God's glory above all other things, we understand that we are wanting and to striving to be God's glory as we walk this earth. When we are content that God's will should take place, even though it may be very different from our will, it might even cross our will and go a completely different direction. But if you and I say, you know what, God, as the Lord, not my will, but your will be done. My will is that you would strike them down like Herod with work. Did you hear what they said about me? God, strike them down. And he says, no, my, my purpose is different. My purpose is to, to allow my, in that moment, to maybe allow you to walk through something and for you to shine a light and to be God's light and grace and mercy when someone has wronged you. He is not out to be uh, our call down. Come on. Call down the flames of heaven on our enemies. He may want us to call down His grace, His mercy, and His love for our enemies. That we would speak life over those who hurt us. That we would speak hope into their lives. Hope into their family. Call those things out. Again, I remind you that you and I... Well, uh, thirdly, when we are pleased to be outshined by others in both gifts and esteem so that the glory of God may be increased, when you and I are okay with someone else receiving the glory, someone else receiving that praise, and, and come on, it happens, right? We, we have a great idea. We share that idea. Nothing happens. It's kind of, kind of like that one commercial. I, I can't remember what it's for. I don't even know if it... I wish I could. I can't pull it. Just came to me. They're sitting around a table. Guy shares all, all this incredible idea. Everyone's silent. No one listens. And then the boss says the same thing. And everyone goes, that's awesome. What a great idea. And we're sitting there going, I just said that. 
Someone else has an idea. You have an idea. You share it with someone. Later, they share that idea and everyone says, wow, that's incredible. What do we do? That was my idea. We want the praise. We want the adoration. I know that's a very simplistic model of what we're talking about spiritually here. But I remind you that you and I, our lives, were put on this earth to make the pursuit of His glory the story of our life. I encourage you again today to make the pursuit of His glory the story of your life. Make it happen. First, God always wins. Come on, can we give the Lord praise today that He always wins? He wins. God always wins. And He will win on your behalf as well. Secondly, the gospel always works. The gospel always works. Let's take a look at verse 24. It says, But the word of God increased and multiplied. The very first word is but. That is, an, that is a statement of opposition. It is deflecting. It is turning a 180. All of these things happened. But, however, however it happens, this is what happens. Though Herod tried to destroy Peter, though Herod was persecuting the church and, and those who were following Christ, that was flipped. Peter was released. Herod now dies. And this is incredible. The Word of God increased and multiplied. There have been people over the thousands of years, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, who have been trying to destroy the work of Christ in this world. They said a, a, a philosopher in France, his last his name is Voltaire. He literally held a Bible in his hand and he held it up and he said, within 100 years, this book will be completely obsolete. It will be eradicated upon his death. The Geneva Bible Society purchased his home and it became the headquarters where millions of Bibles were distributed around the world. God always wins. The gospel always, always works. It works. It works. How do we make that multiplied? It multiplies. It multiplies. God, let it multiply in our lives. I want to give you a couple of very quick things as we close. On how you and I can help this gospel that works to be spread around the world. First thing that we see, how do we give God glory? How do we give Him the glory that He desires? The first thing that we, that I want to encourage you to do is work at doing everything for God's glory. Work at doing everything for God's glory. Listen to these two passages of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. What that's telling us is that you and I, we should reflect 
God's glory. We should reflect His glory and His praise. When praise comes our way, we should deflect it. We should be reflectors and deflectors of God's praise and His glory. It comes your way, man, we wanna, we wanna deflect it to someone else. Wow, you're, you're, you know, whatever it is that you find, man, you're incredible at, I don't, I don't even know what it could, it could be anything. Man, you're, you're such an incredible fisherman. Oh, you wouldn't believe my dad. He taught me how to fish. He did so many things. Do you understand that you and I, when we begin to take on our own and take the praise of those who have poured into our lives, those who have helped us along the way, God in this moment wants you and I to understand how important it is for us to reflect Him and deflect that praise. Give it away. Give it to someone. The second thing is this. We need to ask ourselves this question. Is there anything that you're doing? You could even personalize it. Is there anything that I'm doing right now that does not bring glory to God? Ask yourself. Is there anything that I'm engaged in? Is there anything that I am doing today that does not bring glory to God? If so, I encourage you today to say, God, here it is. I give it to you. I want more of you. I want all of you in my life. Somehow we have to begin to ask ourselves the tough questions. Can I do this activity? Can I have this conversation? Can I post this comment online to the glory of God? If I can't, then maybe we shouldn't. Maybe I should hold my tongue. Maybe I should hold on and pause and wait. If you can't do something for God's glory, then don't do it. Matthew 5.16, you'll see this verse, incredible. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. I pray that it is our heartbeat when we walk out these doors this morning that everything we do be done so that someone might see something in us that would draw them to the truth and the hope and the realness of the God who is still alive today and his name is Jesus God let us be reflectors of your light let us be reflectors of your grace and your mercy number three I want you to know that it is impossible to live for the glory of God without complete surrender. There is something that happens inside of us when we surrender our lives to Him. Surrender it all. Isaiah 43, 7 says this. This is not on the screen. Let me just read this verse to you as the team comes. It says that everyone who has called, been called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made... Every one of you were created for God's glory. You were created for His glory. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Is there something in your life that's holding you back from completely surrendering to Him? Today, I pray from these passages of Scripture 
you'll realize just how powerful it is to know Him. In fact, maybe you and I today could take one step further down the road in our walk and our relationship with Jesus by doing number four, that we would put our trust in the Lord for salvation that we would repent and receive Christ or maybe, in, in, as I just mentioned, take one step further down our road to faith and put our faith, our hope, and our trust in Him. That He would be magnified. That He would be glorified. In fact, all across this room, seated right where you're at, If you're listening online, I just want to pause before I even get to this last moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room today, say, Pastor Kurt, as you close this service, would you pray for me? Today, I want to afresh and anew put my trust in the Lord. I think I've been living in ways for my own glory. Today, I want to live And I want His purpose to be fulfilled in my life. I want to walk out of this place and I want to live a life that brings glory and honor to Jesus. Today, I'm going to put my trust completely in Him. If that is you, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at, all across this room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that too. And be honest, I want it even more in my life. God, help everything that I do bring glory and honor to You. Yes, hands all over this room. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I'm going to invite God to do that. Something awesome in your life, in your home, your family, your walk, that you would give all the glory and honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. Father, I pray in this moment, even now with hands raised across this room, Those who are listening and hearing my voice online or here today, God, I pray in this moment, Lord, that we put our trust in you. God, I pray that your purpose would be fulfilled in our lives. Help us not to be arrogant in any way. We know the opposite of giving glory is pride. It is selfishness. God, I pray that you would break pride and selfishness in our hearts and our lives as followers of Christ. That we would declare, not to us, but to your name be glory. Not to us, but to your name be honor. Give that glory to you. We offer it to you. So God, I pray for every hand that is raised in this moment, in this sacred moment. God, I pray if they are walking back to you, I pray you'll touch their life in a forever way right now in this moment. If they're lifting their hand because they just want their purpose to more magnify and glorify you, God, I pray right now that you would use them mightily this week to bring glory to your name. Because you alone are worthy. You alone are able. Church, I want you to look up here at me right now. I want you to remember this week. God always wins. And the gospel always works. And you and I are put on this planet to pursue. Yeah, we can give the Lord praise for that. 
God always wins. The gospel always works. You and I were put on this earth to pursue the glory of God. And now, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? And let's look at this last verse together as we stand. And Pastor Kelly and the worship team are going to lead us in this song that we sang earlier today called Gratitude. We're going to give him honor and we're going to give him glory as we close our service with one simple song. But would you look at this verse from 1 Timothy 1.17. says, To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you right now, would you say that verse with me? Would you say it? Come on, say it with me. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on, let's give Him praise right now. Let's give Him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we give You honor. I invite you. I'll come back. We'll close. Before we go, would you make this song your heart's cry today as we give all the gratitude and glory to the King. Let's worship Him together.
Sunday. We'll see you next Sunday.